0: Oh boy! I uh, returned from a week of vacation to a flurry of trades, news, rumors, expansion draft, all kinds of craziness, and we are going to try and break all of the chaos down right before the Seattle crack and expansion draft. Welcome to episode ninety of the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Let's go. It is good to be back on this July 20th edition of the podcast. Thank you so much for uh, being patient with me. And uh, I, I took a week off. I went up to a, a little cottage just outside of tiny Ontario. And well, if you're from a small town, if you know small towns, you know Wi-Fi internet not great. So it really forced me to stay off my phone for the uh, for the entire week. I was only really really able to check it like once every couple of days or so, and it was painfully slow. It's just not worth it, and trying to get through everything, though, you know, I did have some buddies and whatnot message me some of the news that broke within the National Hockey League, and trust me, there is a lot to break down. Uh, Follow me along Instagram and Twitter at STHockeyPodcast, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, an article just released to the uh, hockey writers. Uh, I have submitted it. It should be out involving the Canucks, and... We know their ability to look within the organization at some of the youth. You know, Vancouver has had a history of really questionable, let's just say, uh, free agency acquisitions. Louis Erickson, Jay Beagle, Antoine Roussel, Michael Ferland. You know, maybe they look to the youth within and not pay a whole bunch of money. So anyways... I just put it out there. Make sure you go check it out, thehockeywriters.com. Go to the Vancouver Canucks section. And if you see my name, it's probably because I wrote it. Uh, Okay, so we got a lot to get to here today. Obviously, the teams submitted their protected lists for the Seattle Kraken expansion draft, which takes place tomorrow. By the time this podcast drops, we'll have roughly 24 hours prior to. A lot of big names left unprotected. We'll go through those. I won't... I'm going to try not to go through every single team. I might do a quick synopsis of every team and think who they could select and then go from there. Uh, really awesome news about a Nashville Predators prospect. And I'm, I'm going to briefly go through all of the trades at the end of the show that have taken place over the last week. Give you a quick synopsis, who won, who lost, what I think of it. And then uh, and we'll move forward from there. So before we get to the expansion draft, I, I do real quickly want to talk about... This story that broke yesterday that everyone has been retweeting, we reposted it up here at the podcast as well. Predators prospect Luke Prokop comes out as Gay, he becomes the very first active player under an NHL contract to come out as Gay's 19-year-old defenseman. Announced it on Twitter yesterday morning, saying he's no longer scared to hide his identity, saying it's, quote, "...has been quite the journey to get to this point in my life, but I could not be happier with my decision to come out. I believe that living my authentic life will allow me to bring my whole self to the rink and improve my chances of fulfilling my dreams." He has made uh, the decision to come out before his first pro camp as well. He got support from his captain, uh, the Nashville Predators, Roman Yossi, a multitude of players and writers and journalists and other teams showing their support for him. And at at this point in the world we live in today, it's really the only way to. There's no need for any sort of negativity or any... Horrible comments being said. I haven't seen any, but uh, I just really think it's awesome. We've seen this a lot so far. We've seen it, not a lot, but we've seen it with with athletes before, whether it's in the NFL with Michael Sam right before the draft. Now we're seeing it with Luke. We've seen it with other athletes who have come out as gay. But what I want to see, the next step moving forward, right? Because because there's always, oh, like this, so-and-so becomes the first athlete in this sport or that sport or this sport to come out. And it's a great story for about a week. And then you never see them become successful. And whether that has to do with coming out or just their talent level, is I, I'm not going to say whether it's one or the other. But it'll be really awesome to see a player who has a regular NHL position, who has come out as gay, and make an impact in the game each and every day, and it not be a talked-about factor, or not be a talked-about issue. However... Luke has come out and said that he wants to be a spokesperson and an inspiration to the LGTBQ community, specifically in Nashville. David Poyle, who came out, who is a, I believe, the general manager of the organization, saying how much he supports it and love the fact that he's part of their organization. He was a third round pick uh, in last year's draft. So really awesome news for Luke. Uh, the full I guess statement that he made on Twitter, I reposted on Instagram and Twitter if you want to go check it out at ST Hockey Podcast. Um but okay, so before we get to the expansion draft, let's talk about quickly, let's do a brief discussion on everything that's happened leading up to it. And there have been a lot of trades. There have been some signings. There's been some news. Um the Penguins signed a couple players, including Teddy Blueger, to a two-year, $4.4 million contract. Brendan Carlo from the uh, Boston Bruins signs a six-year, $24.6 million deal. Uh, the big one that kind of kicked everything off for me when I saw this was the Edmonton Oilers acquiring Duncan Keith from the Chicago Blackhawks in exchange for Caleb Jones and a conditional third-round pick. Now, the podcast prior to this one, I did a Duncan Keith... Um, you know, I I, I gave Duncan Keith some love, and I talked about there needs to be a little bit more respect to his name. And while I said all that, you know, I I did a little bit of a deeper dive in his numbers, specifically over the last couple of years in Chicago. Right, and this was one of those cases where a player was riding the highs of the name brand, and that did not dictate what he did on the ice. Keith, over the last couple of years, has been analytically an eye test a bit of a disaster. Defensively, it's just he... So I kind of, I threw a comparison, and I meant it more as in prime Duncan Keith, not aging Duncan Keith, about how he just... In the playoffs with Chicago when they were winning championships, he won the Consmith in 2014. He just, he never made a mistake. He never gave the puck up. He never turned it over. He always seemed to make the right play. And it reminded me a lot of Nicholas Lidstrom. But the difference between Nicholas Lidstrom and Duncan Keith... Nicholas Lidstrom aged gracefully. Similarly to Tom Brady, right? Tom Brady, as he gets older, seems to be getting better, wiser, smarter with his decisions. In hockey, though, things are a little bit different. And I'm not saying that the NFL is slow by any means. But at the quarterback position, you have the ability to slow play down. And in the NHL, while some players do that... Guys like Connor McDavid, guys like Austin Matthews and Sidney Crosby, they all have something in common. They're all fast. They're all quick. They have quick decision-making, and they still have the physical ability to do it. And we're seeing with Duncan Keith, who I believe is right now at the age of 37, um, is, is starting to feel the effects of what it's like playing as an older player. The other thing we have to remember is that Keith, last year, was still on Chicago's top pairing. And right now, he is at the stage in his career where he should not be on the top pairing. He's maybe a second pairing, possibly even third pairing defenseman. And his numbers have just have not been great. His point totals have gone down as well. But when I first saw this trade, I thought, okay, like Chicago, eat a couple million dollars, send him over to to Edmonton in exchange they get that third round pick, and a prospect Caleb Jones— assets. The main reason for the assets isn't for the player, it's for the cap which has been eaten. The Blackhawks did not eat a penny of Duncan Keith's 5.5 or 5.75 million dollar contract for the next two years. And I just I, I was trying to wrap my head around it. So here you have a team who just re-signed Ryan Nugent-Hopkins to a eight-year, five-point-two million dollar deal, which is eight hundred thousand dollars less than what he made last year? So they save eight hundred grand. They want to bring back Tyson Berry, who's a right-hand shot defenseman who will cost more than the one-year. What was it? Three or four million dollars? He'll probably be making five, maybe six. They want to re-sign Adam Larson, who made about four or five. He'll make roughly the same, if not maybe a shred less. You already have your stud left-hand shot defenseman and a guy in Darnell Nurse. You have Oscar Clefbaum, who we don't know what he's going to be post-injury, but if he's not hurt, you can't put that money on LTIR. You still don't have a goaltender, and you're trying to pursue guys like Zach Hyman who apparently on the market are going to cost you $6 million. What is the mindset here? Is is it the leadership ability that he's going to bring to this young team who, you know, outside of that one run in 2017 where they made it to the second round against the San Jose Sharks is going to bring that wisdom and experience and going to help propel this team? This team's issue last year was not veteran 37-year-old defensemen who are clearly on hole 16 of their 18-hole career. They needed a goalie. They needed bigger, tougher, more physical defensemen that are harder to play against. And they traded away a third and a defensive prospect for Duncan Keith with three retained. That was my biggest thing with that trade. Um, we'll see where that goes, but I have so many question marks surrounding him. The other story that's kind of going through right now is the fact that. Captain of the Colorado Avalanche, Gabriel Landeskog, him and the team, not close to a deal. Apparently, he was disrespected when the team showed not as much faith and not as much interest in bringing him back for long term. Apparently, uh, eight years was never offered on the table and Landeskog wanted security. That is very disappointing. And according to Elliott Friedman, it's about a 50-50 shot that he even ends up there. He was one of the players that was supposed to be a slam dunk returning to the team. And now there are possibilities of him talking at at signing in Florida, signing in St. Louis, who apparently just left Vladimir Tarasenko exposed to Seattle. We're going to talk about that in a little bit as well. But this was one that I thought there were, there were two names. I'm like, Alex Ovechkin has already got a deal on the table to stay in Washington and Gabriel Landeskog will work out a deal because Colorado wants to bring back their captain. He is a heart and soul guy and it makes all the sense in the world. There is a chance that he does not return. Which is insanity to me. And apparently in the open market, he's looking for a deal in the 9 to $10 million range. It's like last year. It's a flat cap. Teams can't afford it. Gabriel Landeskog, someone mentioned a deal. If you remember Anders Lee, captain of the New York Islanders, whom we need to talk about after. He signed a 7 by 7 deal. And that kind of seemed to be the fit in the mold For Landis Cog. Landis Cog, I believe, is 29 years of age. So an eight-year deal takes him to 36. He's 28 or 29 years of age. A deal like that takes him, let's just say, 35, 36 years old. And very similarly to Anders Lee, to Zach Hyman, he's a very physical, wears-his-heart-on-his-sleeve player, which any team in the world is dying to have that kind of player. But as we've seen players in the past play that style, they tend to break down a little bit easier. Injuries start compiling, and they don't get the same, let's just say, length out of their contracts as other teams would. So, if, if I'm Gabe Landeskog, if I'm looking at eight years, that number's going down. If you sign for 6-7, sure, we'll give you eight, but 9-10 in a flat cap where teams are already struggling to get to to pay, pay out players and, and create cap space— It's going to be a tough sell. So very interesting player to see what happens. No one knows. He's apparently very tight with Ryan O'Reilly of the St. Louis Blues. And if they can trade or get rid of Tarasenko's contract, that will free up money to bring in a Landis cog. That basically replaces that player. And St. Louis now has a grit grind player. Who's very close with St. Louis uh, forward. Ryan O'Reilly, he's a great fit there. He also dominated them in the playoffs this past year. So, that would be if you can't beat him, join him. Or if you can't bring, beat him, then bring him to your team. So, interesting stuff. Uh, other stories, I'm getting a little bit too deep here, but uh, Pekka Rine retires after 15 seasons with the Nashville Predators. Um, this happened about a week ago. Very, very storied goaltender, 38 years of age, announced his retirement. He's hanging up the pads. He is arguably one of the best goaltenders of this generation and arguably the best goaltender in Nashville Predators history. Six-foot-five goaltender helped the Preds go to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2017. He is uh, in the in the likes at finishing with some of the most wins ever by a finished goaltender, beating out Mika Kiprasov, Kari Lettinen, and as of this moment, Tuka Rask. He was uh, an eighth-round pick by the Preds back in 2004. Crazy, crazy stuff there. Going into more news and details as well, uh, the Minnesota Wild buying out both Ryan Suter and Zach Parise of their 13-year, whatever-million-dollar contracts that they signed. They did it on the same day. Um, They bought them out on the same day. Also, it's just funny that two players who signed the exact same deals on the same day in free agency were both bought out on the same day's as well both players apparently Ryan Suter has tons of interest from teams he's looking to stay in the United States Zach Parise you know 36 year old still got a little hasn't really played a whole lot so maybe he's coming in a little healthier this coming season if he signed it a decent cheap deal could go to a contender and help fill a top six role to maybe help them go win a cup Uh, I think I would love him in a team like Toronto a team like Colorado where he plays you know kind of not Prime time, but if you put him with a guy like McKinnon or even Caudry, good luck there. Uh, New York Islanders trade Nick Letty away for a second round pick. So he is gone. He goes to the Detroit Red Wings in exchange for a second-round pick and forward Richard Ponick. So the Red Wings, um, you know, the Islanders, knowing that they're probably going to lose a couple players, they uh, the Red Wings take advantage, they get Letty, and in exchange, they give up Ponick and a second-rounder. Colorado Avalanche, same situation. They were scared they were going to lose defenseman Ryan Graves. He gets flipped to the New Jersey Devils in exchange for Maltsev and a second-round pick. Uh, Players that are also re-signing with teams, Panthers re-signed Anthony Duclair to a three-year deal worth reportedly $9 million. They also signed forward Forsling to a three-year deal worth a reported $2.66 million per year. Um, also, Dallas Stars signing defenseman Miro Heiskanen to an eight-year $67.6 million extension. He's going to make roughly eight point three, million, $8.4 million per season. San Jose Sharks acquiring goaltender Aiden Hill from the Arizona Coyotes. Vancouver Knucks trading a third-rounder for Stars forward Dickinson. The Leafs acquire Penguins Jared McCann in exchange for Philip Hollander and a seventh-round pick. So lots of teams knowing that they're going to lose players. And they're trading them to teams that, you know, if they do get selected, they will kind of cover up. Barkley Goodrow got traded from the Tampa Bay Lightning. His rights over to the New York Rangers. Apparently, there's a deal in place. A six-year deal worth reported, almost $4 million per uh, season. But the big trade, and I've been leading all the way up to this trade, and I think I got the ball. The big trade, Philadelphia Flyers, Vegas Golden Knights, Nashville Predators made a three-way trade. Predators sent defenseman Ryan Ellis to the Philadelphia Flyers for forward Nolan Patrick and defenseman Philip Myers. Then Nashville flipped Patrick to the Golden Knights for prospect and forward Cody Glass. So Ellis has six years remaining on a deal worth $6.25 million. He's going to step into a prominent role with the Flyers. He had five goals, 13 assists, and 35 games, averaging almost 24 minutes uh of time on ice per game. Nolan Patrick was the former second overall pick in 2017. He returned to the Flyers lineup this past season after missing all of the last year due to a migraine issue. 22-year-old scored just four goals and five assists in 52 games. And then Cody Glass, once viewed as the Vegas' top prospect and projected to serve as a really important player, just... Kind of been splitting back and forth between the NHL and the AHL in this past season. He had four goals and six assists in 27 games. The Golden Knights and then Philip Myers, a 24-year-old, big right-hand shot defenseman, has two years left in his deal, worth $2.55 million. Holy smokes. All right. Now let's get to the expansion draft. Teams release their protected list of players in which uh, they cannot be selected by the Seattle Kraken. However... That left a lot of exposed players to the Seattle Kraken. And a lot of big ones are up for grabs. Some of the names include Carey Price, along with Vladimir Tarasenko, Matt Duchesne, Max Domi, Nino Niederreiter, JT Comfer, Jonas Donskoy, Jonathan jeruan Ryan Johansson, Callie Yonkrock. Josh Bailey, Jordan Eberly, JVR, Jacob Vorachek, Evgeny Dadanoff, Brandon Tanev, Ryan Zucker, Yanni Gore, Tyler Johnson, Andre Palat, Alex Kalorn, Jared McCann. Holy smokes. That's just the forwards and a couple goaltenders. Not to mention the defensemen, including Mark Giordano. Nikita Zadaroff, P.K. Subban, Vince Dunn, Jake Gardner, Kevin Shattenkirk, Brendan Dillon, Travis Dermott, Vince Dunn, Justin Schultz, and then some of the other goaltenders outside of Carey Price include Braden Holpe, Vitek Vanacek, Ben Bishop, Chris Drieger. We'll talk about him in just a second here. Kapo Kakinen. Man, a lot of big names for the Seattle Kraken To choose from. And a lot of people. uh, So I I mentioned Chris Drieger a little bit earlier. Goaltender right now. For the Florida Panthers. However. Apparently. The Kraken and Drieger are closing in on a three year. 10.5 million dollar contract. So one of the goaltending slots. For the Seattle Kraken. Looks to be going to Chris Drieger. However. That doesn't mean that they're going to not take another goaltender or two. I could see them taking a guy like Vitek Vanacek. I could see them taking a goaltender like Kapil Kakinen. I could see them taking a Carey Price. You could flip Kakanen or Vitek Vanacek if you need be. Play Drieger for the first little bit. And if they do select Carey Price, he would sit for the first couple months because... Right before the expansion lists were named, Kerry Price apparently is going to see a doctor about lingering hip injuries. And, well, that's the reason he became exposed. Whether the injuries are that serious or not, whether it's a scare tactic to try and get Seattle to not take him, Seattle apparently have talked to executives. They have done deep dives into it. And apparently... The general manager, the they have the green light if they are to select Carey Price. Now, I'm looking at the Montreal Canadiens exposed players list right now. And, you know, outside of the UFAs, like Philip Deneau and Michael Froelich and Corey Perry and Thomas Tatard, and all those guys, the one that everyone's like, there are a couple guys that everyone's naming. One of them is this defenseman named Kale Fleury who, you know, sure, is, is a prospect and a player that may develop into something, may not develop into something. But if I go back here and I look at the, the defensemen available, whether they're on expensive contracts or cheap contracts, there is a guy named Travis Dermott, who's an NHL-proven defenseman for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Vince Dunn, who doesn't make a crazy amount of money. Mark Giordano is a guy who you could slot in there. Justin Schultz doesn't make a whole lot of money. Sha- Kevin Shankirk, right, is less than than four million dollars. Yes, they're also trying to get prospects and they're trying to get younger guys. But I'm I'm looking, and there's a lot of also younger forwards that this team could be getting. And Ron Francis has a history of loading up on defensemen and then. Flipping them afterwards too, and while Kale Fleury is an RFA, and he very well might be a guy who gets re uh, who gets selected. Jonathan Duran's another name also out there for the Montreal Canadiens, but you just dangled Carey Price there. What Carey Price just did? Even if you get him, you get him, you say we'll eat two or three million dollars of his deal. And then flip him to a team who now care price at $7 million, million, looks a lot better. What do you think you could get for him? Also names, uh, Matt Duchesne, players available. What could you get for him? Think about it. Seattle's like, listen, we'll take him, we'll eat $3 million and then flip him for something. And it's not the Montreal Canadiens. There are a few different players on there. Like I said, Jonathan Drouan's a guy who could be very intriguing. Kale Fleury, that defenseman. Brett Kulak, who showed what he could do in the playoffs. But I mean, it, there's got to be a tactic here to exposing Carey Price. A lot, people are torn. People have no idea whether Seattle's going to take him or not. That's the big, that's kind of the one of the bigger names. The other name that I don't, I don't know if it's surprising or not, but Vladimir Tarasenko, right? He requested a trade, and and St. Louis, if they would be smart, would try to get something for him, whether it's picks, whether it's, you know, whatever the case may be. What if he goes for nothing? Yes, you free up that seven and a half million dollars. He's a player who doesn't want to be there, so maybe you wouldn't have gotten a lot, but. To get nothing? Colorado got a second and something for Ryan Graves. The Islanders got a second rounder and something for, for Nick Letty. What do you think you could have gotten for Vladimir Tarasenko? Very, very interesting stuff. If I'm going through the list here, just based on that, you know, now that I'm reading it more and more and more, there are a lot of forwards that are put off right now who are available. Who can be selected. And I'm seeing a lot of really good forwards. Like a, a Matthew Joseph from Tampa Bay. Andre Palat. Yanni Gord. From the Leafs. Alex Kerfoot. Jared McCann. Connor Sheary, Jonathan Durant. Matt Duchesne. Josh Bailey. Evgeny Dadnov. I want to talk about the Islanders for a second here. So the Islanders, Lou Morella, one of the most respected general managers. One GM of the year this past year. Hasn't gotten off to the best start to defend his title, whatever you want to call it. Instead of protecting guys like Josh Bailey or Jordan Eberle, he protected Matt Martin, who, yeah, is an important piece on that fourth line. But if you're telling me right now that you had to get rid of Nick Letty just so you could protect Matt Martin and expose both Josh Bailey or Jordan Eberle. Like, one of those two are gone. Like, I'm seeing mock drafts of people for the New York Islanders, and they're putting out, like, um, they will select Kiefer Bellows or something. There are better prospects out there who are available right now. Josh Bailey is a proven Performer at a very reasonable cap at $5 million. I'd be blown away if he's if, if it's not him or if it's Jordan Eberly. I I my pick would be Josh Bailey in a heartbeat. He's a right winger. He can play center if need be. I'm just it, it the Islanders confuse me there. And then you lost Nick Letty because you were going to lose him anyways, but then you don't protect other players who you were going to lose in the process and just. Another one that confuses me is the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? Toronto goes out and acquire forward Jared McCann from the Pittsburgh Penguins for basically nothing. They got they sent back to Pittsburgh Philip Hollander, who was part of the Kasperi-Kapanen deal a year prior, and a seventh-round pick for a proven third-line, possibly even top-six forward who could play anywhere and was on a 25-goal pace over an 82-game season. And they didn't protect him. They then decided to protect the four forwards, the core four, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares, and then four defensemen. One of the defensemen who you protected isn't your younger defenseman, more potential, than Travis Dermott. You protected Morgan Riley, TJ Brody, Jake Muzzin, and Justin Hall. And I was hearing a few people talk about that one, and the reasoning behind it was Toronto basically got Jared McCann as an insurance policy if they were to take Alexander Kerfoot. Well, now they might not take Kerfoot. They might just take McCann from you, and you gave up a 7th and Hollander so that you could protect Kerfoot, even though you were going to trade him anyways. Very, very interesting. Pittsburgh thought they were going to lose him for nothing, but Toronto decided to take him off their hands. Pittsburgh gets something for him. If I'm going through the list of players right now, right, like, like I said, a lot of mock drafts I'm seeing, players that I think are shoo to be selected. Mark Giordano's one. Mark Giordano's a guy who, one year left in the deal, if if he doesn't work in Seattle, they could flip him and eat a little bit of money next year if Seattle's not very good and he becomes a part of a uh, Stanley Cup roster. Or a contending roster, whatever the case may be. Other players I'm trying to look at right now, Josh Bailey to me is, is a slam dunk. I just, I don't, Kiefer Bellows is the only player that I'm like reading on this lineup of like RFAs or young players you could select. And everyone's saying, "Yeah, you know, you can't just select 30 NHL players. You need to select some prospects and get a pool going here. Yeah, but, I don't know. Kiefer Bellows is, I remember him at the World Junior Hockey Championships for Team Canada. Good young player. I also think there's a lot of other good young RFA players that Seattle will be able to take. Especially on a team that's offering up a Josh Bailey or a Jordan Eberle. Because as much as you need young players and you need prospects and you need a draft pool and you need, you know, some sort of youth foundation, you also need to ice a team. That's what I keep seeing. Everyone's drafting like seventeen prospects from teams and then just loading up with like two or three big names. I'm like that's not that's not how you do it. Like Seattle didn't do that. Seattle loaded up on on defensemen. They had a couple prospects that they selected. Defensemen. They got their goaltender and a couple. You know, role-playing forwards, but guys who have NHL experience who you could put on a lineup and know that they're going to compete each and every night. And then they flipped a bunch of defensemen and got other prospects and players and whatnot. I think Seattle has an opportunity here to get to nab, arguably, I would say upwards of four really good goaltenders. And the four goaltenders, and also, so the other lock to me is Chris Drieger, because apparently there's a contract that's already in place. I'm going down to the Washington Capitals here because I want to make sure that this one is right. Because if Washington hasn't really exposed another player that I'm thinking of, which I don't think that they are, it looks like to me, like, I would go get Vitek Vanacek. He is a young goaltender who makes $716,000 against the cap, who played a big role, who can be a 1B for a team, who's cheap, who's NHL-ready, and you could flip for picks and prospects if need be. The other thing, if you're trying to stockpile defensemen, is the other guy I'm thinking of for Washington is Justin Schultz. So it's one. going to be one of those two guys. For the Minnesota Wilds case, them exposing their goaltender in Kakinen made uh, no sense to me. I'm trying to figure that one out. I can't right now. But Minnesota doesn't really have a whole lot of other guys who I'm, like, really thinking, like, oh, they'll take this guy. Like, Kakinen seems to be the only guy. I'm seeing, like, a couple RFA names, but no one that really jumps off the board. Kakinen is also, under contract, had a very stellar year last year and makes $725,000 against the cap. Seattle doesn't need... You know, if, if Seattle's trying to get to a certain floor or whatnot, they're going to be not only selecting players, but goaltenders who have lower caps or RFAs who so then they can flip for something. There is a very real possibility that Seattle takes four very good goaltenders. They could do... If the combination of Carey Price and Chris Drieger are your goalies, then you take Vitek Vanacek and Capo Kakinen and you flip them. If Drieger's going to be locked for three years, and Carey Price, who, if you do end up selecting him, right, becomes your other goaltender later on, who's your guy. Chris Drieger kind of is a very solid backup, similarly to what the Montreal Canadiens just did with Jake Allen and Carey Price. Carey Price didn't play the last month of the regular season, and Jake Allen helped carry Montreal there, and then Carey Price took over afterwards. They could easily ride Drieger for the first little bit, If he works out and becomes a stud goaltender, you could also then flip Carey Price, eat two or three million of that contract, trade him to a contender. Or you could flip Vitek Vanacek and Kapo Kakinen, who make less than a million dollars each. But I can see them selecting like four goaltenders. But some of the other prospects that I'm looking at that he could select over other players, I look at the Vancouver Canucks right now, who have exposed Brayden Holpe in that $4.3 million contract. And they've exposed guys like Cole Lind, who's an RFA, who's only 22 years of age. Jace Howardchuck is another guy. Zach McEwen, right? These are all players who have, you know, who have that RFA cheap prospect. The Toronto Maple Leafs, for example, they just re-signed Travis Dermott, an NHL-ready defenseman, to a two-year deal worth $870, or like a two-year deal at $3 million. He makes $1.5 million against the cap. He can play NHL minutes. He's locked in for two years. Or they go get a guy like Kerfoot or Jared McCann, who make $2.94 or $3.5 million. They are NHL-ready players who don't make a lot of money. Tampa Bay, right? They released, you know, their list. Yanni Gord is a center who makes about five. Tyler Johnson makes five. Andre Palat is also on that list at 5.3. Kalorn, 4.4. Not crazy numbers, but if they need numbers to get to the cap, there are a plethora of players out there for them to select. And then if they really need to get there, they have Tarasenko, who they're probably going to pick. And Marchier Giordano, who's going to make a decent chunk of change in... The Flyers released a bunch of different players, including James Van Riemsdyk and Shane Gostis Bear and Jacob Voracek, who JVR could be headed to Seattle. That would make a lot of sense for them if getting Dadnoff from the Ottawa Senators is another player. So I don't have locks. I don't have certain players. My thought process Seattle last year, or um, Vegas in 2017, loaded up on defensemen and a couple goaltenders and then flipped them. There are too many good goaltenders to not take and then flip to teams who are desperate for goaltenders and get draft capitals or other prospects that they wanted in return. I think they get four guys. I think they select, I think they go get Carey Price. I do. It's either Carey Price or Jonathan Duran, one of the two. I think Carey Price, I think think Seattle just goes, oh, you want to expose him? We'll take him. Because then, worst case scenario, if it doesn't work out, they eat 2 or $3 million of his contract, trade him to another team at a discounted cap rate, and all of a sudden, he's a lot more appealing. Chris Drieger apparently already has a contract in place with the Seattle Kraken, so he is going to get selected from the Florida Panthers. I think Vitek Vanacek and Kapel Kakinen are way too juicy goaltenders to not go get Kakanin was basically the starter or the 1A, 1B for Minnesota last year. And Vitek Vancek, while Ilya Samsonov was on COVID regulations, stepped in significantly for Washington and played very admirably for a rookie goaltender. You can get both those guys. Ben Bishop hasn't played hockey in a year and a half. He's 34 years of age. He makes $5 million. You're not selecting him. Matt Murray's contract is awful, and he just he did not live up to it. And they're not taking that from Ottawa. There are other names there that they can take. Braden Holpe only has a year left at 4.3, and he showed basically where he's at as a goaltender in Vancouver. And Jonathan Quick, they're not taking Jonathan Quick. He's the same thing. He's over the hump right now. Martin Jones has clearly displayed that he is not worth the money that he is making right now. He's been one of the rougher goaltenders in the NHL. But if they go get and Kakinen, who are both incredibly cheap goaltenders who they can flip, Drieger's your guy, and then Price, Drieger and Price's cap, caps together are less than $15 million, similarly to what Montreal did. You can flip Vanacek. You can flip Kakanen. You could flip Price and eat his contract. Eat $2 million of that deal. And then you have Drieger, Kakanen, and Vitek Vanacek. You can keep them all. You can flip them. It doesn't matter. And then from there, your forwards, if you need some big guys. If you need your big guys up front, if you don't want to go get a guy like, let's just say, Matt Duchesne, um, what's his name, Yari Yankrock from the Nashville Predators, makes significantly less than $8 million, which is what they'd have to pay if they were to bring in a guy like Matt Duchesne. Yarn Krakow only makes $2 million. He's a left winger. Other centers who you could take include uh, Josh Bailey was one of the guys who we talked about. But again, I think Matt Duchesne could be your number one center, and you're really trying to vie for that. I think there's 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 a huge list of players, and for Montreal to expose Carey Price... In anticipation that maybe he doesn't get taken is a little questionable on my. They also might go get Yanni Gord, who's young. He's a center. He makes five million dollars. He can play top six minutes if need be. Regardless, as I'm pumped. <laughs> That's the big thing. I'm pumped. I think Tarasenko goes. I think Yanni Gord is the is the guy that goes from the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's either Yarn, Cro- Yarn Croak or Matt Duchesne. Evgeny Dadnov could get taken. Josh Bailey has played center before. I think JVR could go. Brandon Tanev is another guy from the Pittsburgh Penguins who could get taken. And then there's a bunch of younger players. And if they start seeing those caps from some of those bigger players, you know, if they need defensemen to take on, you know, smaller deals who are NHL ready, Hayden Flurry of the Carolina Hurricanes is on a pretty good, I think he's an RFA. Travis Dermott of the Toronto Maple Leafs makes 1.5 who can play NHL minutes. There's so many, there's so many drafts going on right now and mock drafts and who this person will take and who that person will take. But at the end of the day, basically, it's it's all up to it's all up to what the game plan is going to be and how Seattle wants to attack this. Are they gonna do the Vegas route? Are they gonna stock up on goaltenders? Are they gonna stock up on defensemen? Are they just gonna stock up and get the best team possible and then use their second overall pick in this draft and start building from there? Who knows? But the way Vegas did it four years ago was they stockpiled certain players, a position, and then traded them or flipped them to other teams for picks and prospects, and they filled out the rest of the roster because they still get to participate in NHL free agency. Amazingly, so they can sign other players that are that are free agents, including Gabriel Landeskog or Zach or whatever the case may be. So. There are very few players on this team that I think are absolute locks. The one that we know for sure as of this moment recording the podcast is goaltender Chris Drieger. I think Josh Bailey is too obvious of a player. I think a guy either... It's either going to be Yanni Gord or Andre Palat that I think from Tampa Bay goes. I think they're just two good players and have shown how incredibly important they are. And I think for St. Louis, unless I'm missing something, how do you not go get Vladimir Tarasenko? even if you don't keep him and you flip that $7.5 million contract for a a roster player, a prospect, and a pick. I think that there are a lot of choices that need to be made right now, even or if they go get Vince Dunn, who's an RFA, and sign him to a deal. I think there are very few players that are quote-unquote locks and everyone who's saying they're going to select this player, they're going to select this player. I think what they're going to do is similar to what Vegas is going to do. It's going to be A, surprise you with some of their picks, But B, they're going to stockpile on certain positions, and they are going to flip them to other teams for assets, picks, players—you name it. Uh, Before we get out of here, I do want to talk about one more topic, and that was the that was the Shea Weber one. All right, so so Shea Weber came out, and. Basically said that he has injuries to his, I think one of his fingers. It's either his pinky or his thumb. He has ankle and knee injuries, and apparently there were players from the Montreal Canadiens were very sympathetic after unfortunately they lost to the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they all went to Shea Weber, and it was very emotional. Everyone was like, "Well, I don't know what's going on here." Like, I guess it was a good run, but what's why is it so, why is it so saddening? Well, it's because these injuries were apparent to a few people. I don't know if the team knew, but based on their reactions, a lot of people are coming out now and saying that something was up with the team and something was up specifically with Shea Weber. His injuries could keep him out for the entire 2021-22 NHL season, or could even retire. Now, do I think he retires? No. Mainly because I saw the player that was playing, and he the player that was playing in the Stanley Cup Finals or in the playoffs or whatever leading up to that series against Tampa did not look like he was on the verge of retirement. Now, maybe what happens after surgery, if he gets any work done on it, that changes the way he he is, the way he plays. I just don't know if he's done done. Now, it's it. there are rumors that, you know, that is a possibility and they're discussing it and anything like that. It's just... A lot of people are talking about the intrigue of the timing of it. Um, you know, the injuries are not necessarily hidden, but they came out right before the expansion draft. But this was from TSN's Pierre LeBron. I'm just going to read it out. He said that Montreal Canadiens' captain may not play in the 2021-22 season due to knee, ankle, and thumb injuries, which is why they are exposing him in the expansion draft. The soon-to-be 36-year-old... Played through the recently concluded Stanley Cup playoffs with a thumb injury, which forced him to miss some time at the end of the regular season. He also dealt with nagging left foot damage that previously kept him out of action and has knee issues as well. He was originally projected to miss four to six weeks in February, but he returned just after a two-week absence. Weber underwent surgery to repair tendons in his foot back in March of 2018. He is on the books, apparently. Through 2025-26 with a cap hit at about $7.86 million. The team only has to pay out $12 million in cash due to his deal's front-loaded nature. But Weber's former club, the Nashville Predators, would be on the hook for a significant bill should he retire and hang up the skates. The Preds would owe $4.9 million a year for the next five years. The Habs would owe $543,000 a year. So, this is still reports... Nothing has been said. This was about six days ago as well, so we're unsure of where it stands right now, and we've heard some rumors and some suggestions as to what it might mean, whether he actually could retire or not. A lot of people are thinking that you know he might not, and that let's just say if Montreal makes it back to the Stanley Cup playoffs next year, and Shea Weber, after sitting out for the year, is now good to go. He's fully healed. It's probably likely that he will play. But if they don't, You know, maybe he contemplates a little bit more. I'm just reading the report right now. I don't have any insight. I don't have any full information as to what is or isn't going to happen. But all I will say is if Montreal goes into next season having lost Carey Price to the expansion draft and Shea Weber due to injury and Philip Deneau to unrestricted free agency because apparently there's a report that he does not plan on returning to Montreal. That's not just a completely different look for a team. Their identity is gone. What's much Montreal's identity? Right, a little bit of boring hockey, very good defensively, incredible goaltending, and they shut you down. I just described Carey Price, Shea Weber, and Filippino. Yes, so they have some young players. Yes, so they can be. Can they be dynamic and can they grow? Sure but a lot of their opportunities and them to expose other teams was largely due to the fact that they were bailed out constantly by Carey Price, the steady play on the back end of a NHL vet in Shea Weber, and Philip Deneau, who completely abandoned offensive hockey and fully focused on shutting other teams' top players down so that your younger players could thrive. If all three of those players are not there next year, yes, it frees up cap space. Yes, it gives Montreal the ability to, let's just say they go out and they get Gabriel Landeskog, and they trade for Jack Eichel, and they sign Dougie Hamilton, because they have all this cap space, and they, they go get a goalie. If, if Philip Grubauer. I don't know. It's not the same. I don't know. It's not the same. I mean, I'm just... I. From what I see right now, you know, Jack Eichel's never made the playoffs. Uh, Landis Cog's going to command so much money and is now going to be soon approaching 30. Philip Grubauer played in front of one of the most dominant NHL regular season teams we have seen in a very long time. I'm just... I'm just saying. That's all. I'm just saying... Even if you free up that cap space. It's not just the players you're replacing. It's the identity of who you are as an organization. And and, and uh, uh, inevitably, at some point, your younger players will take on more responsibility. But the one of the best goaltenders on the planet, one of the most steady defensemen, your captain, and one of the best shutdown performances we've seen in Stanley Cup playoff recent memory... Are all no longer there. Big shoes to fill for the Montreal Canadiens. We'll see what happens from there. I think I fit just about as much as I possibly can into this. Um, You know, the Habs did re-sign head coach now Dominic Ducharme to a three-year extension. He is now a full head coach of the team. The Islanders traded Andrew Ladd to the Arizona Coyotes for literally nothing. Literally nothing. They traded Andrew Ladd's cap space, his, his contract along with, I believe, two seconds in a third rounder for nothing. It's it's a $5.5 million cap hit, but they get three picks in the matter. Islanders don't have to worry about it anymore, but that's the cost, which is just crazy to me. If I missed anything, I apologize. I've had a week off, so we'll see whatever I've missed. I'll try and bring it all back together and then go from there. Carey Price's injuries apparently are not hip. They are knee-related. none of it's good. Uh, Carey Price is not expected to miss all of next year, but he is expected to miss a little bit of time, which is a little bit of taint if Seattle does end up taking him in the expansion draft. But until then... We will see. The next time we do an episode, there will be the 32nd team in the NHL assembled and ready to go. We will break down all the picks. We'll break down who got left off. The actual NHL draft is coming up. Free agencies on the 28th, which is a week tomorrow. (sighs) I can't take a week off again. (sighs) Too much happens. Or I just need to take a week off when all of this doesn't happen, but regardless enjoy the next few days of flurries normally at this time in the um off season the news kind of dies down and there's nothing really going on enjoy the next week enjoy the rumors and the trades and the signings and the expansion draft regular draft i'll be back friday brand new episode of the podcast until then enjoy that's a wrap